Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Join with me in the book of Revelation, chapter number 12, and we are continuing in this incredible study through uh, one, of the, one of the greatest books of the Bible because we see the end, amen? And we see that God wins, and so what a joy it is. And you have to forgive my voice a little bit. I've, I think Brother Greg was uh, gracious enough to help it uh, be killed in choir practice today, so thank you, Brother Greg, for a good choir practice. But my voice is feeling it tonight, and so God willing, he'll uh, help me to be sustained this evening. Revelation 12, I want to just begin by reading this passage and then we'll kind of catch you up where we're at. We're going to see four key people, four key players in this chapter. And as we do so, we want to uh, just continue uh, to uh, in our study here tonight. And so let's look there together in verse 1. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels." And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Can I get an amen right there? Isn't that good? And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she nourisheth for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. 
And the water and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with a remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we stop tonight to say thank you uh, for this scripture. We thank you for the book of Revelation. Lord, what a tremendous book of the Bible, which gives us a blessing for reading and studying this, this, these words of prophecy. And God, we look forward to the day when we will see uh, truly Jesus Christ reign literally on this earth for a thousand years. But Lord, we, we realize between now and then, Lord, not only is there a purpose on this earth, but Lord, then there will be a time of tribulation. And in that time, there will be great sorrows. And so help us, Lord, as we study this, not to just walk away with a greater knowledge, but a greater, greater fervency, Lord, for the time is at hand. Well, we recognize that the time is drawing nigh. And as uh, Paul warned the church in Ephesus, redeem the time for the days are evil. Help us to realize that in our own generation. Thank you now. Help us in our study in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we had a privilege of getting into Revelation 12 once again. And Revelation is a tremendous book of the Bible that gives us lots of hope. And as a Christian, I am reminded that God's hope is what we cling to, not founded upon anything else except Jesus Christ and His shed blood. And so we're grateful for that. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness, as a songwriter said. And as we come to Revelation 12, we're in the middle of the tribulation period, and so uh, there's a great transition that happens at this point, and a lot has happened so far. We've had the seven trumpet judgments and, uh, and uh, most of the woe judgments, and now we're here uh, at this point, and we're learning a little bit about, about uh, what, is, what God is doing in the life of Israel. And, and as we look in Romans 12, or Revelation 12, uh, we realize that there are four key people that are mentioned here in this passage. And in verses number 1 and 2, we just begin, and this is kind of where we were last time, we looked at who is this first person that's identified. And the Bible just simply calls her, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And we saw her last time, and we talked about many uh, different theories of who she is. Some say that she's the church, but the church never beget Jesus Christ. Some say that she was uh, the Roman Catholic Church or the Virgin Mary. Uh, Christian science uh, uh, was espoused that it was Mary Baker Glover Patterson Eddy. Uh, it, was, it was herself that is who it was. But the Bible is very clear uh, when you get down just a few verses later in verse number 5, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now, there's only been one person that we know of uh, where uh, not only was she birth, uh, was he birth, but then uh, he was prophesied that he will come and reign, but then he was also ascended back to the right hand of God, and that's Jesus Christ. And so this uh, woman refers to the nation of Israel. 
Remember, and this coincides perfectly with the, the book of Daniel, as we see Daniel and his prophecy, and he prophesied there'd be, uh, there'd be 490 years there, and 483 of those have been complete when the time of Jesus Christ, when Christ was cut off, the Messiah was cut off, as Daniel prophesied. Then that time clock stopped, and there's seven years of prophecy yet to be fulfilled from the book of Daniel, and that's what Revelation 6 through 18 fulfills for us, and that's the time of tribulation. And it's a time where God uh, is dealing with the nation of Israel once again. And he is designed to bring her back into himself. Remember, she rejected the Messiah. And now God is bringing her back and saying, listen, it's time for you to accept the Messiah for who he is. And God uh, brings great uh, sorrows upon the earth. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And now as we come to this in Revelation 12, we see that God really focuses in on her and some of the tribulations she will face. Uh, and, uh, and, and, it, it, and as we see this laid out here, we see that it will become even worse at the end of the chapter, which God willing, we'll get there tonight. Let's look at verse number three together. We're going to be introduced to the second person. So the first person was who, church? Israel, good, the woman. All right, the second person is the devil. Let's look here. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and to cast them to the earth. And the dra dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, the world today does not believe in a literal devil. Uh, most of the world uh, accepts simply that the devil is just a euphemism uh, for an evil principle from without. But the Bible is very clear that God created uh, this angelic being that was initially over the other angels, but usurped his authority or tried to over the throne of God, and he was cast out of heaven, cast down from his position, and no longer is he uh, used of God to, uh, to do good, but now he he is that evil uh, evil one that desires to destroy. The Bible describes him in 1 Peter 5 eight. He's our adversary, one that walk, uh, roars and desires to devour. And so in verses 3, 9, and 10, we see that there are some words, some names given to the devil. The first one in verse number 3 is the great red dragon. Now, some have proposed that he's red because he is the motivating, motivating force behind much of the bloodshed throughout history. And that's true. Jesus himself said he was a murderer from the beginning. And so we see this in, in the life of the devil throughout uh, the, some, since the moment he was created and forward. And we see this beginning all the way with Cain and continuing even to the present and into the future. He will still be a murderer. Verse number 9, we see a couple other names here. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. And so we see there's three names here, that old serpent. This refers to the very first time we see uh, the devil deceiving mankind in Genesis chapter 3 as he comes in the form of a serpent and he tries to uh, deceive and he does successfully deceive uh, both Adam and Eve. And listen, he is still deceiving today. He is still on desiring to confuse you as to what is right and what is wrong. He still desires to get people from uh, uh, to, to follow him and leave the Lord. The second term that's used here is the devil. This, is, this name is typically used in the Gospels and it means a slanderer or an accuser. And we see even in verse number 10 that he is the accuser 
of the brethren. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And so we see this, this name devil ties right in with that uh, and, uh, and what he does daily, night and day before the throne of God. And then the third word in verse number nine that's mentioned is Satan. And this simply means adversary. And the devil is the adversary of all of God's children. But let me remind you that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so church, let me just encourage you, though we have a great adversary, we have a greater advocate. And I am so thankful that today is, as we look at the chaos in the world around us, that I can know the peace that passes all understanding because it's built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And so let me just encourage you to continue to be faithful to the Word of God. Verse number 10. It says, and I heard a loud voice in, uh, in saying in heaven, Now is comes salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. So we see here, here, this indicates his work before the throne of God, seeking to discredit the saints before God. Constantly working to destroy. You and I, we see this in the book of Job as he comes in and says, listen, there is no one worthy of me to try to deceive. He says, everybody's gone after their own way. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? Man, what a great testimony of Job. I, 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 every time I read the book of Job, I come back to Job and I say, man, God, if, my, if, if just our testimony could be that pure, that good, that God would look at Satan and say, have you considered my servant John? Not that I want everything that Job went through. Just a clarifier there. Amen and amen. But what I'm saying is, Job had such a great testimony that God said, listen, I can trust this man. He follows after me. Now, we begin to look at, we're not going to spend a lot of time looking at his uh, government and, and all of those things tonight. We're going to look at that more in Revelation 13. But we see that Satan is revealed as a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And we'll, we'll look at that more in uh, chapter 13 in the study there as we look at the, the beast and the antichrist and those things. But I just want to mention that, listen, he is actively working today in governments all around the world. And I am thankful, though, that God is still in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 1, that He is the one that sets up and takes down kingdoms. And so we look at the world around us and we say, well, my candidate didn't get into office. But God's did. And He is still in control. And we're still uh, trusting that God knows what He's doing. And remember, He has a greater agenda than my little agenda of making sure the next four years or however many years of that person that you wanted to get in the office, of the next, those next few years, God's agenda is greater than mine. Amen? And He sees the end from the beginning because He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. And so we trust in the Lord and in His judgment and His leadership. Listen, we see that the Antichrist will be the human pawn or tool of Satan himself. And we'll look at that a little bit later. But we see many modern governments and government leaders are just pawns today. And, the and they are the reason there is so much chaos in the world around us. Think about a border. Think about uh, the uh, economy. Think about uh, our, the, just, the, just the chaos in uh, what happens on on. Uh, Capitol Hill, we look at these things and I can't help but be reminded that the temporary God of this world is doing his dead level best to destroy all of man. But here's the good news, verse number four. And this is going to take us backwards in time in verse number four just a little bit. 
And it says, and he's talking about the devil here, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and to cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before uh, the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And there's another wonder here that we see, and this is probably refers to that original fall of Satan in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. And we see that in Revelation 12, 4 speaks to uh, that uh, those one-third of the angels were drawn away to follow after Satan. They were deceived by the great deceiver, and they left the th in the heaven, they left what God had intended for them, and they were cast out of heaven because of their rebellion. And this is the original casting out of Satan, and was not. It's not the final overthrow that will come, uh, but uh, that first one in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. Those are that initial stages, and Satan would still have the ability to go into and out of before the throne of heaven, and as we see in verse number 10, because he's able to go into uh, that area, he's able to accuse uh, each of us and say, "Listen, uh, I, I want you to know, Brother Weigel is a rotten sinner, and you can't trust him." That's what the devil says all the time. Thanks, Brother Leroy. <laughs> Amen. But then there comes Jesus Christ. And he says, he's covered. Isn't that good? If you know Jesus is your Savior, you may have one that comes and he may accuse you. But Jesus out his, stretches out his arms and he says, but they're covered. And God says, I don't remember there being any sin. You know why? Because he casts your iniquity as far as the east is from the west. It's cast, cast to the depths of the sea no more to be remembered. We serve an awesome God. I'll tell you, I'm just overwhelmed sometimes by His mercies to us. We are, we are so undeserving of God's goodness. As we come back to this passage, though, we see that even in this, we see God is at work. But even from the very beginning, as we mentioned last time, Satan has always uh, been an antagonist against man. Why is there abortion? Why is there euthanasia? Why is there murders? Why are there constantly people trying to destroy one another? And that's because Satan hates man. Listen, these, these kids that are getting duped into these after-school Satan clubs, and they're, trying to, uh, and they're hearing that Satan loves them, is all a lie. In the Scripture... The Bible says in verse number 5, uh, uh, and we'll, we'll look there in verse 5, and she brought forth a man-child, uh, sorry, verse 6, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God. She was under persecution. Later in the chapter, we'll look at this, and there's a greater time of persecution once Satan is cast out of heaven. He will turn all of his hate toward, uh, toward Israel and toward man. But Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And God guaranteed that through the seed of the woman that, uh, that Satan would be destroyed. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's the great conqueror. He is the victor over death and he is also the victor over Satan. Listen, Satan tried to stop the seed of Israel and the seed of mankind and the seed that was promised in Genesis 3 uh, by the murder of Abel in Cain, uh, uh, by the murder of Abel by Cain in Genesis 4. He tried to destroy it by his effort to pollute the human race in Genesis 6, by his attempt to cut off the human nation in Exodus 1 and uh, ex, uh, in the Hebrew nation in Egypt in Exodus 1 and 2, by the decree of 
Haman in Esther chapter 3. Over and over, you could go through the scriptures and you can find even Herod's decree to kill babies, the storm on the Sea of Galilee to destroy Christ's life, the attempts to throw Christ over a cliff, over and over and over, have all testimony that, this, that Satan is constantly trying to destroy the hope of the nations. During our dispensation today, we see the conflict is seen in the persecution of the church. We saw the, the, uh, in the dark ages, the word of God was kept quiet and kept from men. And then false religions sprung up everywhere throughout. And they offer no remedy for sin, but they offer lots of things that make you feel good about yourself. Today, we see the war with Hezbollah, Hamas, and there's a growing conflict with an unholy league of Russia, Iran, and China. Listen, this, climax, this, this, uh, this conflict will reach a climax during the tribulation when Satan through the Antichrist will seek to get men to worship him. Third person we're going to look at is in verse number five. And that's the man-child, Jesus Christ. Verse five, and she brought forth a, a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God. The identity of the child should not be difficult for us if you're familiar at all with the Word of God, and for only Jesus Christ fits this description. First off, the man-child was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, referring to that millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ will be the absolute ruler of the world. Won't that be a good time? He will rule with a rod of iron. And so his identity is clarified further by this statement, her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. That's exactly what happened to Jesus after the resurrection. And you go to Acts chapter number one, you can see he ascended just like he came. And so we see this once again, that he fits the bill for this prophecy here. And he was caught up into heaven. And John also reveals him in chapters four and five at the throne of God. And we see where he is. So we see exactly what God is dealing with here, that this is Jesus Christ. Now the entire picture of this sun-clad woman is best understood when you keep in mind that the Christian dispensation of almost 2,000 years is almost completely and entirely omitted here. And so it's almost like we go from one to the next. There's not a hint of the church found in our text. And so it does parallel exactly what Daniel was speaking of. And so Daniel, if, you, if we went back to there again, in Daniel chapter 9, he gives us a prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus that there would be, uh, that, that when the time of the Messiah was cut off after 483 years, then uh, the, there's, uh, then would be the last seven years. There's no mention of what's in between. We are currently living in that in-between time. Verses, between verses 5 and 6, there have been 2,000 years of church history. And so pretty soon, I, I anticipate sooner than later, we see that, that God will rapture the church. There will be a, uh, the Antichrist will come on the scene. He'll sign a peace agreement with Israel, and that will kick off this seven years of tribulation in which God will pour out his judgments on the earth and specifically dealing with Israel. Listen, verse 6, as we look here, we see it, it, it points to this time of tribulation. The woman fled into the wilderness, and she had a place prepared of God. And this, this time where the whole world, though there's a peace agreement, the whole world, like it always does, breaks its peace agreement with Israel. And God will supernaturally care for Israel during the tribulation period and sustain her through this time. 
In Daniel chapter 11, it speaks of a world war during the middle of the tribulation which will affect the countries uh, of, of the world, except for Edom, Moab, and Ammon. And these ancient countries constitute the area of Jordan, and they may, be, may well be the place where God has Israel to hide. But regardless, what we see is God will be faithful to Israel. Isaiah 33, verses 15 and 16. It says, He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, and he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ear from, uh, ears from hearing blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him, and his waters shall be sure. No matter what the generation, to them that look for him, God is faithful. The fourth person we see here is in verse number 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Isn't that good? Those three words bring so much encouragement because we know no matter how strong the devil thinks he is, God is always greater. Satan will make another attempt to gain control of the universe by usurping God's authority. And it's during this, that this war in heaven, we see that, uh, that there will be a great war between Michael and uh, the angels of God and the fallen angels led by Satan. So, uh, who is Michael? Well, there's two angels whose names are given in Scripture. Uh, there's Harold. No, I'm kidding. That's a Christmas song. Hark the Herald Angel Nels. Okay. That's, that's a bad preacher joke. There's Gabriel and Michael. That's mentioned in the Bible. Gabriel is the announcing angel. We see him at the birth of Jesus Christ, for example. And we see him as he hails the birth of the new, new child. And there's also uh, Michael. Michael is that commanding general of the heavenly hosts. And we see this in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, that Michael is superior to the majority of other angels, but somewhat lower in created order than even Satan himself. But he has had previous confrontations with Satan. Jude, Jude verse 9 mentions this in the Bible. And he says, Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring any, uh, against him any railing, uh, railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. And we see he, he contended with the devil and disputed about the body of Moses. Maybe Satan wanted to use the body of Moses as a false, uh, as a shrine or a relic or an object of worship because we're good at that, right? We can worship the crea creation instead of the creator. And Satan wanted to use that body of uh, Moses for whatever reason, we're not sure, but Michael preserved that body of Moses against that eventuality, but even he, the Bible says, did not bring a, uh, accusation against him. Michael doesn't seem to be able to cope with the power of Satan, but relies on the power of God. What a great illustration for our life. Listen, you may, not, you may feel weak, you may feel like you can't face this temptation, you can't uh, overcome anger, you can't do these things, but here's the good news, is that through the power of God, you can be victorious. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jesse. You see, that's the truth. Is that, yes, I'm weak, but God is strong. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'm not going to finish singing it because I'm already off key. This is what the Bible says, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. 
You see, that's the, that's the key element in this. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, to get the end result, you have to have the beginning starting place, submitting, being humble before the Lord, saying, God, I need you in every way. God, I submit my life unto you. I surrender all. I come to you today, and I lay my life down before you because, God, you are God, and I trust in you. You see, Michael recognized that he needed God's help, and so do we, Christian. We can't go it alone. I'm not going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm not going to be able to just fly through this day without any help. I need daily to come before the throne of grace and say, God, help. You know what he said? He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Hmm. Back to Michael. Daniel 10 reveals that Michael was hindered by the prince of the kingdom of Persia and either reference to Satan himself or someone of Michael, on Michael's own level. But this is what we see in Daniel 12, 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was uh, since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. That Michael is this angel specifically signed by God to work for the protection of Israel as a nation. And there was war. And so the Bible speaks here of war that was in heaven. And so in verse number 7, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought. And it's been suggested by many Bible scholars that the war in heaven is not a single battle, but maybe a series of battles that culminate in the, in the middle of the tribulation period with its expulsion of Satan from the court of God. Satan and his hosts will battle vigorously with Michael and heavenly hosts immediately after the rapture of the church. And, and when Christ comes for the church with a shout, he will come with the voice of the archangel. Remember? 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Listen, the tribulation will not only be a time of war on earth but it will also see some war happening in heaven. Some battles fought between the hosts of God and the hosts of Satan. I have no doubts that when we get to heaven we're going to see things that we've never seen before. There's going to, we're going to see the work of God in a greater way uh, uh, played out before our eyes. There, there is activity that God allows us, uh, that, that has got us shielded from our eyes today uh, that will be revealed in that day. Do you remember when Elisha uh, was in the city, he was <clears throat> surrounded by a host, I believe it was Samaria, uh, and as he was surrounded by that host, his, his servant came to him and he was fearful and he was afraid that the king was out there ready to destroy him. And Elisha said, can't you see the heavenly host that's protecting us? And he prayed that God would open his eyes and there was a mighty multitude of God's angels protecting Elijah there in that moment. Listen, God is still actively at work, at work in this world today. And look, church, let me just encourage you. He is still going to be the one that protects and provides not only for Israel, but even in our world today, in our life, and, and as we go forward by faith in, in Christ in this church, and what I'm seeing is that even the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We can move forward by Christ. We can say, God, this world may be falling apart, but we know that you are still God. In the middle of the tribulation period, these conflicts with Michael and the hosts of, and Satan and his hosts 
reach a climax and when God gives the order, Michael casts down that great, great dragon. I'll tell you what a glorious day that will be. No longer will he in all of heaven. The Bible, look, 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 look. It is so cool to see. It says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. He says, listen, there's no reason to be sad. There's no reason to be sorrowful. But listen, look at the next line. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. The fact that Satan is once and for all cast from the throne of God uh, who will, uh, and all of his hosts who will no longer be the principalities and powers of the air, listen, they will be limited to cause havoc, uh, havoc on the earth and the re result is, is that though there's rejoicing for this great victory, there is also great sorrow on the earth. But it is an important step where Christ, where, uh, before Christ establishes his kingdom and he banishes Satan from heaven. And that fact that Satan can no longer accuse us will be a cause for rejoicing. As verse number 10 states that Satan's particular ministry now is to appear before the throne of God and to accuse us of a sin or a weakness before God. But in that day, we will see that they will no longer, uh, that will no longer be his, his, uh, uh, his job. And he says in verse number 11, and let me just remind you, what, what we can do is we can still overcome. Verse 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Yes, here's the truth. If you're a sinner, say amen. amen. That's what the Bible says, we all are. But here's the good news, you overcome the accuser by the blood of of the Lamb. Whether in uh, victory over sin, what we see is the blood of the Lamb which takes away the sins of the world is the only true means of victory. And it emphasizes the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. You see, that's the truth today. The second thing that they mentions in verse number 11, and by the word of their testimony... Another way to overcome Satan is a decisive testimony for Jesus Christ. You know what Paul said? He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to them that believe. Listen, don't be ashamed of who Christ is. Don't be ashamed to speak his name. Don't be ashamed. I, mean, I was listening to a radio program, and, and the, the, the pastor got on there, and he had the privilege of praying before Congress, and Congress has way too many rules, even for people who have to pray in Congress. And he said, and I submitted a prayer and I got up there and they approved the prayer that I was going to pray. That's pretty ridiculous. And they, he said, I got there and I began to pray and the Lord says, don't you dare pray that measly little prayer. You pray according to Jesus Christ. And he got up and he prayed and he, uh, they, they, they have uh, ridiculed and they have uh, mocked him and they have been offended by his prayer by the blood of Jesus. Listen, it was his testimony, his unashamed truth that he, he said, I believe in Christ. That ought to be our testimony. Amen. The fact that these people who overcame Satan, the Bible says, love not their lives unto death, emphasizes their supreme desire was to serve Jesus. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me remind you, God calls us to love him first. 
Matthew 10, 39 says, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Satan would have us reversed all of this and to think that more highly of our lives than they really are worth in comparison to our eternal soul. Listen, whenever a man tries to save his own life, he only loses it. Only a Christian who can say, listen, my life is in Christ. Remember what Colossians 3 said? We memorized this last year. He says, set your affection on things above, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ shall appear, who is our life? Then shall we also appear with Him in glory. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it glorious to think that, listen, it doesn't matter what you come against me. You may shoot me. You may slay me. You may behead me. It doesn't matter because I am, my, my life is already dead in Christ and I'm alive with Him. You see, how could they overcome? Because, they, because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, because they loved not their lives unto death. There was one final crusade we're going to see from Satan in verses 12 and following. As he turns his hate toward the world, Satan does. He's angry because he's been cast out. And he knows the Bible says that he has a short time in the end of verse number 12. And as a result of that, we see that, that uh, Satan turns a great hate toward uh, not only Israel, but all of the world. And so he will be filled with wrath, and, and this will be poured out. Uh, and verse number 14, looks look there together. It says, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. See, the faithfulness of God to uh, Israel is seen in the fact that she has given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly to a place prepared for her, according to verse 6, where God will protect her. Verse number 15, he goes on and he says, And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now there's three suggestions of what this word flood means. Some believe that Satan will divert bodies of water into the wilderness where Israel is kept. Second I thought is that he will attempt to flood her with false teachings. But I believe the last one is true, and that's that he will have a great command of an army that will desire to destroy, uh, destroy Israel, and they will do their best. To, to, to destroy the people of Israel and like an invading army into a country and they will try to obliterate every man, woman, and child. In verse number 16, and it says, And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the, the dragon cast out of his mouth. Do you remember in the Old Testament... God, when, when God wanted to uh, make a, an illustration out of Korah in Numbers chapter 16, and he rebelled against the Lord, and, and God caused the, the mouth of the earth uh, to, to open up, and Korah and his family and those that rebelled were swallowed up into that great chasm, and it closed back. Listen, do you think if God could do it then, he could do it again? Listen, I believe in my mind that this is exactly what's going to happen here in these moments. Dr. Sai said, it is, it is the region and time of miracle when this drinking up of the river which the dragon sends against the woman occurs. It is the region and time when there is to be renewal of wonders like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. It is the region and time of earthquakes and disturbances in the economy of nature. And there is reason to think that it is by some great and sudden rending of the earth that these pursuing hosts are rested in their course. Whatever the enemy, it is obvious that God will use the earth to preserve Israel supernaturally. 
Verse 17, let's go on. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Even though Satan will be thwarted in his attempts to exterminate the Jews, uh, it won't be until the end of the tribulation when he is finally cast into the bottomless pit where, uh, where he will stop trying. And we see him just continually trying to destroy and trying to destroy. It would almost seem that all the animosity and heat that he directed toward God will now be directed toward Israel. But Israel will be saved. It is a tremendous moment as God works mightily. Listen, regardless of what is happening in the world around us, we have a faithful God. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. You see, church, we don't have to be a, a, a fearful or afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. I know the God that leads me to these great trials will be the same God that leads me through them. I know that our God is able. He is able. He is able to deliver thee. And let me just encourage you to put your faith and your confidence in the faithful one. Listen, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful, but instead confident, saying, God, if you lead us into something, let us just walk by faith and not by sight. And though we don't understand how everything's going to work out, we can trust that God is still God. And there's no one else like him. Maybe you don't know God. Here's the reality. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. There is no hope for mankind without Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so it's only by faith in Jesus Christ that you can get to heaven. You see, it's not going to be by good works or anything else. It's just simply by faith in Him alone. And I urge you, church, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that tonight is the night that you put your faith in Jesus. Going through the book of Revelation has opened my eyes to the reality that we are so close. We're on the precipice of hearing the voice of that archangel and like the trump of God that will sound and the church will be raptured up together to meet the Lord in the air. Let me just encourage you, don't wait until you think, well, I'll just wait until I hear it and then I'll do something about it. That's not how it works. You see, now is the time of salvation. And God invites you right now to put your faith in Him. And let me just remind you, faithful is He that calleth you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for his help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?